uh, Psalm 52 through 55. I have those four. They're uh, kind of lumped together in theme. And uh, I found it interesting as I studied them out. We're going to look at them here in the few moments that we have. I'm not going to go into depth in all of them, kind of an overview of all of them here in the time that we have today. Let me read Psalm 52, and then we'll talk about kind of uh, some things that pertain to all of them here as we begin. Uh, Psalm 52, notice it says up there at the beginning, we're going to talk about this a little bit, to the chief musician, Maskeel, a psalm of David, when Doeg the Edomite came and told Saul and said unto him, David is come to the house of Halimelech. So that's the inscription at the top of the psalm. Verse 1. Why boastest thou thyself in mischief, O mighty man? The goodness of God endureth continually. The tongue deviseth mischiefs like a sharp razor, working deceitfully. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness, Selah. Thou lovest all devouring words, O thou deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away, pluck thee out of thy dwelling place. Root thee out of the land of the living, Selah. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made God, that made not God his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I will praise thee forever, because thou hast done it. I will wait on thy name, for it is good before thy saints. I think you see a change there, verses 8 and 9, very different than the first seven verses. And um, the inscription there about uh, Dave, when David went, uh, when Doeg, the Edomite, came and told Saul. And so um, these four psalms are kind of lumped together. Most of the commentaries seem to all lump them together. There's a central theme in all of them, and that is they're all, in a prophetic sense, talking a lot about the tribulation period and the... Um, uh, the Antichrist, the Antichrist. Now, I find it interesting, and just, you know, as I'm trying to put my, um, you know, uh, human perspective on this, or my, my current perspective of looking at this, here we have David, in particular in Psalm 52 here. Here we have David writing a psalm in regards to a very specific situation. It's even noted here. Who? You know, Doeg, Edomite. Uh, and at the same time, God, the Holy Spirit, uh, God Almighty, is giving him words that are prophetic of not just this particular person, but events that are going to happen in the future, uh, to the fact that they are in the future for you and I, too, right? These are still things that we're looking forward to, uh, not, not looking forward to. Right? These are bad things, but these are things that are forward in our, in our history. Uh, in, the, in the history of mankind. And so here in Psalm 52, David has a very specific person that he's talking about. There he is, Doeg. Uh, and um, in the midst of that, in the midst of talking about this person, God's given him words that not only mirror what he feels he's dealing with on an individual basis, but prophetically looking ahead. And we're going to see that a lot. And it, you know, it, here in chapter 52, um, um, I think you could look at that and say, well, how do you know he's talking about the Antichrist? Maybe he's just talking about that guy. But as we develop this, 52, 53, 54, and 55, and especially in 55, 
as it kind of all wraps up. You're going to see the tribulation period clearly talked about, and then you're going to see some parallels to the Antichrist that are clearly biblical, right? Not just uh, uh, some parallels. I even have um, some of the scriptures uh, written down there. But we're going to we're going to look at that in a minute. But the, the parallels between them, and so here we have um, Doeg the Edomite being a type of the Antichrist, right? We talk about David being a type of Christ, and some parallels because clearly David was not like Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ was perfect. Jesus Christ came to give his life, but the, the Bible tells us Jesus Christ is going to sit on. Isn't it interesting? He's going to sit on the throne of David forever. And so there's some parallels between um, uh, David, the things he went through, the things he said, um, and, and then uh, and Jesus Christ. And we see that throughout the Old Testament. You know, we have Joshua being a type of Christ. Uh, you know, many others throughout. We can go back through Adam. is talked about in the book of Hebrews. Being a type of Christ, the first just as Jesus Christ, you know, the firstborn of God, Adam the first made, and so forth. So we'll see those parallels throughout, just in little instances. So Doeg, the Edomite, type of the Antichrist, picture of the Antichrist. So here, here's my question, I guess. Do you think David realized that as he's writing it? I don't know that he did. Right? I don't know that David, as he's writing this, in this particular situation, faced with this particular person and this particular problem as he's looking at this stuff and dealing with all this stuff. Does David know that you know this whole situation with Saul and Ahimelech and so forth, did he know that this was the Antichrist? I don't even know that he knew who the Antichrist was in prophecy yet, right? I don't think he had enough scripture yet to know who that was. And yet God, in his wisdom, is using these verses so that the Israelites, years later, as they are reading this, and I'm talking about even today, those that are the redeemed, that know Jesus Christ, those who, as they get to the tribulation period and accept Jesus Christ, as they read this, they're like, oh, this is the Antichrist. You know, This is who we're dealing with. Here's a parallel. David was talking about his situation, but here we are with the reality of the situation being the Antichrist himself. So, Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 4. 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Let's look at that real quick. I didn't put in the verses. I probably should have. But I didn't put in the verses of going back to talk about Doeg. I, I didn't do that. I should have done that. 2 Thessalonians 2.4. Um, who opposeth. This is talking about the Antichrist. Uh, verse 3 talks about the falling away. Um, that the man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition. So we're clearly talking about the Antichrist. Who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we have those scriptures from the um, New Testament that Paul is writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, clearly talking about the man of perdition, the, 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 son, of, um, the son of perdition, the man of sin. And we see that down there, um, I think, in those verses... Um, Verse 4, back in Psalm 52. Psalm 52. Uh, Thou lovest all devouring words, deceitful tongue. God shall likewise destroy thee forever. He shall take thee away. Pluck thee out of thy dwelling place. Root thee out of the land of the living. Selah. So more than just 
David's problem, David's enemy, David's affliction that he was going through. This is bigger, bigger story, bigger picture, and that's the Antichrist. Um, verses 8 and 9, I mentioned, seem to set themselves apart from the rest of the psalm. I'm like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. Uh, you can see the, the change there as he's centering himself on God, not so much that man that is afflicting him. Psalm uh, 53. Psalm 53 starts out with that very familiar phrase and, and passage. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they and have done abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek after God. Every one of them has gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Have the workers of iniquity no knowledge? Who eat up my people as they eat bread? They have not called upon God. There were they in great fear, where no fear was. For God has scattered the bones of him that encampeth against thee. Thou hast put them to shame, because God hath despised them. O oh, that salvation of Israel were come out of Zion. When God bringeth back the captivity of his people, Jacob shall rejoice, and Israel shall be glad. Uh, keep that in mind, what we just read. Turn back to Psalm 14. Psalm 14. Which Psalm? 1-4, 14? 14. And so we looked at this, obviously, a couple months ago. In Psalm 14, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but if you just look over it, it's almost identical. The theme is the same. It begins with, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. At verse 3, they're all gone aside. They're all together become filthy. Mm -hmm. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. And it begins with, and it ends with verse 7. Oh, that the salvation of Israel will come out of Zion. Almost identical to Psalm 53. And so both of those um, have the same message. They're looking at that tribulation period. Uh, I, I think we see that when God looks down from heaven, verse 2, on the children of men to see if there were any that understood. And he says in verse 3, every one of them has gone back. They're all together become filthy. A tribulation period. I, I, I think we would agree. Unfortunately, we're getting closer and closer to that in the current you know, condition of mankind where we're at. When he looks down upon earth today and humans today, I, I would, I believe they will see pockets of righteousness, but a lot of this. And I think we would agree during the tribulation period when the redeemed are raptured. You know, we know that during the tribulation period, right, the Israelites' eyes will be opened. They'll understand. Many of them will start to get saved. There'll be a revival. But think about the first days of the tribulation period. How many righteous are there then? I would think verses like three, everyone's gone back. They're all together become filthy. filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Yeah, after the, after the rapture. And before a great revival in Israel, there won't be righteous, right? There won't be. And so what, what, just to see God's view of that, Psalm 53. One of the things I wanted to mention, I, I see you have on my notes there, it says at the beginning, to the chief musician upon Mehalath. Mehalath means sorrow in sickness. 
So we're looking at the moral state at the time of the tribulation, the problem with mankind. And so, uh, you know, sorrow and sickness. There's a problem with humanity upon the face of the earth at this time of history, more than ever before. Uh, as in, ready? As in the days of Noah, when they were all just corrupt. When every, what, what did it say about the days of Noah? Every imagination of the heart of man was only evil continually. There was a problem, and it, we're heading that way again. I, you know, things aren't going to get. Things aren't going to get better and better. The Bible says they're going to get worse and worse. And so, uh, what we have, what we have, and I, 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 so I'm not, I'm not a person without hope. I'm not doom and gloom. What we have is like a, a heart monitor. You know, it goes up and down. Uh, there, there's peaks. There's revival. There's great awakenings in history when people or countries, or communities, or churches turn back to God. And, and it goes back up for a little bit in certain areas or certain places. And then the decay continues downward. It's a continual downward trend because of sin with some quick reversals now and then because of revival, because of evangelistic efforts. Psalm 54. Psalm 54. Ready? I thought I'd read something for you on this one. Psalm 54. Psalm 54, this psalm uh, contains the cry of faith and suffering of the Israelites during this time of trouble and distress. The historical background is interesting. Uh, Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, had escaped to David, who was with the 600 men in the fortress of Keilah. He received, um, I'm sorry, he received the divine answer that the inhabitants would give him up if Saul would besiege the town. Thereupon we find David in the wilderness of Ziph. But the Ziphites betrayed him and pledged themselves to capture him on account which David was in great straits, but he was delivered out of it. This is in 1 Samuel 23. Did I write that down yet? This is all in 1 Samuel 23. So the Jewish remnant will suffer under the man of sin. And we hear their cry here in this psalm. They're in deep distress. The ungodly among their own brethren, the Gentile nations, harass them on all sides. And their only hope is in the God of Israel for deliverance. All right, we know that. David dealt with that. David felt that. Again, here's a picture. Here's a type of. David feels betrayed, alone, uh, neglected. His only hope is God, which is, should mirror how the Israelites feel in the tribulation time when everybody comes up against them. They have no friend. Who, of all the countries in the world, who is Israel's friend right now? The U.S. Usually the U.S. It has been the U.S. It sometimes is now the U.S. I remember we had a missionary here uh, years ago that was a missionary to Israel. Um, Schmitz? Did I say the right name? Has it been around long? Dave, Dave Schmitz? And uh, um, he said this, and I heard this a few times, but he said this here. He said, you know, the people in Israel, many of them view themselves as the 51st state. You know, they feel that much alignment to us. Unfortunately, I'm not sure that feeling is always reciprocated. I don't think America feels that close to Israel today as Israel in the past has to the United States. There's been fractures in my lifetime. I think we all know that. But so I'm saying that because Israel is going to feel like in the last days they're betrayed, 
and all alone. So again, that begs the question, where's the United States in, in prophecy? Doesn't look good. I don't know. I, I don't know. It just doesn't look good. 54, Psalm 54. Save me, O God, by thy name. Judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. For strangers are risen up against me. Oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies and cut them off in thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. For he hath delivered me out of all trouble. Mine eyes have seen his desire upon mine enemies. Now one more I'll wrap up here. Psalm 55 is a longer psalm. It's what, 23 verses. Um, and I think Psalm 55 kind of wraps it all together. Um, because of that, I'm going, to, I'm going to jump down to verse 12. I'm going to jump down to verse 12. Psalm 55, 12. For it was not an enemy that reproached me. Then I could have borne it. Neither was it he that hated me that did magnify himself against me. Then I would have hid myself from him. But it was thou, a man mine equal, my guide, mine acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together. We walked into the house of God in company. Let death seize upon them. Let them go down quick into hell. For wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud. He shall hear my voice. He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, for there were many with me. God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old, Selah, because they have no changes. Therefore they fear not God. Notice verse 20 and 21. He hath put forth his hands against such as be at peace with him. He hath broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Verse 20 and 21 sounds exactly like what? The Antichrist, right? That's everything we've seen throughout all the passages of Scripture concerning the Antichrist are he breaks a covenant, he makes a peaceful accord, and then he breaks it. He pretends to be wanting peace. He pretends to befriend Israel, and then flips on him. Uh, verse 21 there, his words, cunning, kind, uh, has all, it says all the right things. He speaks, his words are like butter. You know, a, a good communicator. And we see that about the Antichrist. And then he what? It was all a facade because all he cares about is death, destruction, warfare, swords are drawn. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I, I've not in the past, before I studied this, looked a lot at the Psalms for info on prophecy, right? Kind of look at uh, uh, Daniel, uh, some of the Ezekiel, some of the minor prophets, especially Revelation, those passages in, in, in uh, Second Thessalonians, some of the things Paul wrote, that's where we find a lot of our prophecy. And yet, and yet God allowed David, as he's going through very specific events, to be writing about, giving information about, duplicating, picturing these things that are to come as well. And uh, I don't know, I, as I read Psalm 52 through 55, I think I'll have a new perspective, a newer angle, uh, a better depth of understanding it applies to the things that David's going through at the time. 
But there's an extra application of the things that are yet to come where the Israelites are going to look at this and say, oh, this makes even more sense now, right? I don't know, have you, you know, there's other things I think maybe, maybe you got a letter from your mom and dad that you kept for years. You know, and it had a special meaning when you were 16 or 20 or 28. But then when you read it when you were 50, you're like, oh, you know, it even makes more sense now, right? It, it even makes more sense now. Now that I've gone through some of the things they've gone through, the applications, I think, I think we can feel that way about the Psalms. We know what it means. We're not changing what it means. We know what David said, and yet there's that extra application that, oh, as things get worse and worse, these things are even more pertinent. There's that, that dual application for us as it unfolds. So, All right, there we go. We'll end with that. Let me turn according to anybody's voices.